Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 114. Episode 114, pretty good. Not bad. And today we're going to talk about what is a disciple, and we're going to talk about some concepts of how to know my own level of discipleship and what that even means. So I'm pretty uh, fired up about this conversation, John, so... um, yeah, you shared a little of it beforehand with me, and I, there's a, a model that we're going to talk about in here as part of the conversation that I'm very excited about. Yeah. So, um, hey, buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a really challenging and perhaps uh, super encouraging conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Before that, it is Joker Story Time, and you are up this week. All right. I just got home from, uh, I drove my truck to Denver. Uh, that means I operated my vehicle in six states over two days. To hook up a trailer and move uh, one of our da- one of my daughters, your sister Bethany, back to uh, the Olympia area, and so I drove two days, thirteen hundred thirty four miles, spent a day in Denver, then drove two days, thirteen hundred thirty four miles back. I Man. was in my truck alone for fifty hours last week. That sounds. Like it could be really bad or really good. It was good. heaven. Now, I had some challenges. <laughs> I hit some rain on the way back. saw a hailstorm. I had a blowout on the trailer. Um, there were plenty of challenges. Sure. But it was one of the most invigorating weeks of my life. Um, mental health, spiritual health. I felt like I was hearing from God. I, got, I had some existential, um, I believe, revelation from Ooh. God for my life. And I also had just an amazing revival of my soul. What it felt like to me, John, is that I became a 16-year-old brand-new convert again. Wow. And I was just experiencing the presence of God, the joy of the Lord, uh, my faith going through the roof on His sovereignty and power and provision and presence, uh, excitement about my life and my um, my place in God's kingdom, um, just enjoying Jesus. I've been on this kick actually before this trip about mm-hmm. the idea of enjoying Jesus, enjoying me, you know, our relationship, that he loves the relationship as much as I do, which is kind of a really fun um, kind of thing. Yeah. But anyway, um, these 50 hours of incredible scenery, um, sometimes windows down, you know, wind out blowing through the truck other times it's just too hot so i got the ac going i love my truck it's super comfortable Mm -hmm. um but i just i just that's my story as there's lots of details that i could go into but it's just the story of i just got back from 50 hours in a week in my truck and man it was it was it was awesome that's so cool yeah i uh when i it tells me a bit about myself when i uh catch the thoughts that i'm having when people tell me stories and you're telling me first about the drive before you got to the invigorating, joyful part. Right. And I'm thinking, I would be so tired. I would just be so <laughs> over it by the end. And I love road trips. It, yeah. Historically, in road trips, I have not been so tired, except for some of the ones in the summer 
uh, once you leave the Columbia River in Oregon, and mm-hmm. then you start cutting across the yeah. the Plain states of Idaho the, of, of Idaho and Utah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, it gets a little monotonous, but uh, but I'm I'm super glad you had a great time. It was fantastic. The sun rises, the sun sets. Um, the you know pulling a trailer. I don't have a ton of experience pulling trailers. Sure. So there was an inherent level of stress. Worried about a blowout. Sure enough, the morning of the second day. Eight o'clock in the morning, right about twenty miles from the border of Oregon in Idaho, blew that tire out doing seventy-five miles an hour. Um, turns out it's not as freaky and scary as I thought it might be. Um, got to meet this really amazing guy who worked for Les Schwab, who shows up uh, and just wizard helps me. He he MacGyver's my whole situation right there on the spot. Has me up and running in fifteen minutes and doesn't charge me a penny. Um, so that, I'm That's dropping. Amazing. I'm dropping a name of a company there because I was blown away at my customer service there. And then 20 miles later, I went to another town to a Les Schwab, got two new tires for the trailer. Again, world class customer service. I was just really pumped. So That's amazing. Yeah, there was lots of things going on. It was a very stressful move. Um, a lot of things got haywire and went wrong in Denver. Sure. Um, but man. What a great personal health, spiritual health, vitality week for me. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, we could have 13 different conversations right now because I have so many things I'm excited about. But I want to talk about this one. And let me ask you this, John. Uh, what is a disciple of Jesus? Uh, man, <laughs> I think of disciple, I think of the word discipline. Um, basically, I would just say follower. I mean, like it was not uncommon to have disciples or or for rabbis to have disciples at the, at the time. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just some weird dude with a bunch of groupies following him around. It right. was it was kind of a, a practice that had existed. You know, John had some. So it's kind of like uh, I don't know. Maybe it is a little bit like a groupie. Like it was just it was just his like fans. They were was, the the rabbis had their their you know. Students. Student is a great word for Student it. Student is a great word. Apprentice is a great word. Uh-huh. I would not use fan. I think fan is a, an American view of discipleship. Well, that's I was trying to I was trying to put yeah. it in our culture. Yeah, and so that's the word I got. Maybe that's telling of our culture. Yeah, because I would say churches are full of Jesus fans for sure, but not full of disciples. That's would, a, you, would you agree? With oh that? yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So what's interesting to me? You're familiar with the Great Commission, Matthew, uh-huh. Matthew twenty eight. What is the Great Commission, just in your own words, or if you've got it memorized? Uh, well, it ends with, go forth and make disciples of all the nations. Yeah, so go into all the world. And- yeah, go into all the world and make disciples. Mm-hmm. Not fans, not believers, not uh, even Christians, mm-hmm. um, not church attenders. Not, because uh, they had the word followers, didn't they? They didn't say followers. Right. The, the, the word for disciple is uh, mathetice. Hmm. Um, but it, what it means is uh, is, an, is an apprentice. And in that world where rabbis would make disciples, their, their disciples would do, they would have three objectives. They want to be with that rabbi, and they would literally spend every hour of every day in the presence of that rabbi. Wow. They would, uh, if they walked like Jesus did and traveled, these guys would travel with him. And mm-hmm. they slept in the same quarters, and they ate the same meals. So it's like the first uh, the first part of discipleship is be with him. The second one is to become like him. So they would they would eat the way he ate. They would uh, dress the way he dressed. Your goal was to become like your teacher. Yeah. 
And then the third goal was to then go out and do what he did, which is you'd get your disciples then and you would extend the school. That's where the idea of schools came from. You would have the school of Plato, the school of Socrates, gotcha. the school of Jesus. So and, then it's almost like like a pyramid scheme is, is, is what comes to mind, but that's the kind of nastier. But I mean, it the, it cascades. Yeah, I would call it the Oikos principle, just yeah, uh, spreading out across the whole thing. But so so really, um, what's fascinating to me and sad to me as a pastor, and I am part of this problem. Jesus' great commission: go into all the world and make disciples. One thing about English. That's interesting to me is if you if you take any sentence and you put a period at the first possible place you could put a period, you should have the essence of the sentence. Right, just a now. So and a it verb. could be go into all the world. You could say, well, that's where the first period could go. I would argue, go into all the world and make disciples. You could put the period right there. The rest is a description of that: baptizing them, teaching them to obey whatever I've commanded you, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. So, yeah. So here's this thing. Jesus gives birth to the church to make disciples. He calls us to make disciples. And yet, if you ask, if I lined up 20 pastors on this podcast and said, what is a disciple? I would get 20 different answers. You think so? Yeah. I mean, you 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 landed on student, I guess, yeah. would probably be the simplest answer. Well, and I, I think uh, apprentice is probably the finer, the finer um, yeah. uh, refinement of that. So let me ask you this then. What is an apprentice of Jesus? What would that look like? What does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? Well, it's much more, I mean, to, a student is not far from apprentice. Apprentice is more, it's yeah. like hands-on. So it's... it's uh, yeah, and a student, I can sit in a classroom and learn, but an apprentice, I'm going to learn to do what he's doing. Right. I'm going to pick up the welder and I'm going to start welding. An apprentice is very much, I think of, uh, when I think of the two, I think of dedication with apprentice or or commitment. Mm-hmm. You're, you're mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. So a student, you know, Everybody got, has to go to school, almost everybody. Yeah. And not everyone's really dedicated to being there. <laughs> not everyone devoted the commitment of it that you did at Northwest University. Well, yeah. You know, it's a real, <laughs> my mind's a, a, a tool. Yeah. Uh, so I think of I think of the commitment and the uh, dedication mm-hmm. of the apprentice. That's why I think that word's a little, a little sharper. Yeah. For, for and in an apprentice, we usually use that in the trades. You would have a, exactly. an apprentice who's learning a trade. Then the objective is for them to use that trade and go make a living. Yeah. And eventually they'll have apprentices of their own who they're teaching to do that trade. So all of this implies that in to be a disciple of Jesus includes doing the trade. But you said if you had twenty different pastors, you think you don't think you think none of them otherwise than you would have the apprentice. Well, no, no, no. I don't think I'm special anyway. No, I just mean you said twenty different answers. So yeah. I'm only one of those answers would be the. Apprentice. And I was probably wrong to say twenty pastors. If you say twenty Christians, get twenty okay. Christians there, people will start to describe what a disciple does or how a disciple believes, or maybe some people would because it, like, if you look at it even this way, how do churches make disciples? I was gonna. I was actually if, gonna ask. if you look at church programming. I can tell you they would say that the, the, the gold standard of church life right now is come on the weekends, be a part of a small group, serve in some way. Yeah. And drop money in the and offering. giving, yeah, yeah. Well, it would seem that that is apparently our functioning definition of a disciple. Sure. Because our job is to make disciples, and we think that if we get you to come on the weekends faithfully – be a part of a small community where you're talking about faith and stretching each other's faith and serve in some way and be faithful with your money. Hey, you're there. Well, good job, John. 
<laughs> what, what do you mean? I can just pat you on the back because you do all of those. I haven't served in a while. <laughs> I haven't been in a small group in a while. I was thinking as you listed those off, I said, that means I'm not even by church standards. I've got the 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 uh, first and last down. I've got my giving and my well, tenants down. Yeah, let me ask you this. If you look at somebody in your life, present company excluded, don't talk about us. Sure. And you go, that cat's a disciple of Jesus, man. What would make you say that about someone? Uh, well, I'll name dropping some just because I love him so much. It would be Abe Daniels. Okay, and what is it? It's uh, just the absolute commitment again to the to the Lord. To it's just it just drips off him. He's never off. He's never you know just looking at him, talking to him. It's always the uh, the aroma of Christ. I always get it every time. Mm. And there's a lot of people I could say where I get it. You know. 90% Some, of the time. Right, and right. I spend less time with Abe than a lot of other people that I yeah. spend time with. So it could be you're catching him in all his best moments. It could be. But I think that <laughs> I think the guy's a genuine article. He is. Yeah. He is. So what is it about him that makes you say, so it's commitment. It's, it's, it's consistency. Passion. Passion. Consistency. passion. Yeah. Um, uh, he, Servanthood. A big part of it, admittedly, and this wouldn't be, um, what is that he leads a, a class at at uh, uh, Evergreen, mm-hmm. uh, a biblical uh, Bible study class. And so it's not to say that I would think if, if I met two versions of Abe, one who did that, one who didn't, I wouldn't say the one who did was a better disciple. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it, it lends to the, um, to the, the time appearance that, of dedication, of, right. of, of apprenticeship, of discipleship. Sure. That you, that you would spend so much time on your own and as a layman, um, quote-unquote layman, uh, studying the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Now, he did that before he was ever credentialed. He is he is now an ordained pastor. Gotcha. Um, but he was studying like that and teaching like that long before he ever did it for a living. Yeah. Um, and now he's retired, doesn't do it for a living. Okay. So these are all external things that I see that make me go, that make me assume. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now let's get personal. On a scale of 1 to 10 or a grade 0 to 100, what's your discipleship grade, John? How? What's your grade as a disciple of Jesus? Man. That you give yourself. If I'm being generous to myself, it's a C plus. Okay. So you're a C plus. Let's say that you said, man, in 90 days, I'm going from a C plus to an A. Where would you focus your efforts? Uh, Well, we've we – it's funny how often recently we've come up that we kind of dunk on the read your Bible and pray thing. Mm-hmm. And we go, well, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> but that's honestly what I would do. I w- it would be it would be a dedicated morning time, dedicated evening time, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, trying. You know, you you have some devices that you've employed over the years of your life to uh, to remind you through the day mm-hmm. of of the presence of Jesus and, and to tr- continue that um, abiding. Um, mm-hmm. you know, spirit or, or, or effort throughout the day. Yeah. So I would try things like that. Um, you know, a, a spe- an extra king on a key, excuse me, on your key ring or, uh, uh, extra coin that you keep in your pocket, you know, s- simple right. things. Yeah. Simple things. Yeah. What about you? Well, um, I think that uh, we tend to think of discipleship as information. Sure. Um, I'm amassing more information about the Bible. I'm filling my head with knowledge. Um, I have a devotion to the Lord. We would think of that. And yet none of those are apprenticing yet. I mean, the apprentice, that's learning the welder. That's uh, studying the welding. That's not doing any welding. Right. It's not actually, that's, that's what separates the student from the apprentice. It's, right. It's the, yeah. Right. So there should be an apprentice factor in there. There should be a trade that I also engage in. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say that, um, you know, Jesus reduced all of the commandments to these two. Love God with everything you got and love people. 
So you could argue that if I'm going to apprentice, I'm going to make my grade from a C plus to an A. I am going to love Jesus more. I'm going to give him more. I'm going to abide with him more. I'm going to nurture that relationship. I'm going to I'm going to draw my strength from him. I'm going to be in him. I'm going to live in him. I'm going to be rooted and anchored to his love. I'm going to uh, attend to him more. I'm going to communicate with him more. I'm going to enjoy him more. And I'm going to start loving everybody around me way better. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to love people. So you could argue, well there's your guide, uh, the the great commandment. You have the great commission, go make disciples. So there would be in the apprenticing thing, well, you should have disciples too, an apprentice uh, that becomes a teacher then becomes one who has apprentices of his own. So there should be at some point spiritual fatherhood in your life where you're you're nurturing the spiritual life of other disciples, other apprentices. Well, and if we talk about, you know, like the reason I have had of, of Jesus being at the physical body of Jesus being the way mm-hmm. to God, then you say, then you just look at him and you go, well, I just do what he did, right? Right. And obviously it's not that, you can't just quit your job and walk around the, the town and, <laughs> you know, I mean, you could, yeah. you, you, you physically could yeah. do that. Yes, you could. Um, but I wouldn't say you ought to. So, and when it would, you know, it, would this be, so I'm stumbling over my words a little bit, but would this be similar to the entire church being the body of Christ, meaning you don't have to be one-to-one like Jesus. Because in apprenticeship, traditionally, we you would look at that. You would, the carpenter and his master apprentice, or master carpenter, you would you would almost try to be one-to-one with him, with his techniques and things. You you you, But you learn in groups. They would always have groups. And um, it's really interesting, now that you mention this, the principle of 12. Mm-hmm. And in the 12, he had the three. And the top he, three. The, the Peter, the, James, and John. Yeah. And then he had the one whom Jesus loved. The Peter. Or no, John. John. And so, and John is the one who proclaims that. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you think of, you know, really in your life, if you're, if, if you, John, are going to be an apprentice of Jesus who now is pouring out your desire to also apprentice others, there's probably going to be about 12 and there's going to be three, you're, you know, your you're three that are really tight. And this is why the Oikos principle, again, is so organically natural. Yeah. Because you don't have to go stand on the corner, I'm looking for 12 who want to follow Jesus with me. No, you know, you, yeah. you're going to have this uh, this organic group that God has put around you. Or walk up to a mechanic in the middle of his job say, follow me. Yes. And he just drops, <laughs> he his, drops his tools. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I've got a couple of big blocks that I'm processing that yeah. are helping me here. Well, I got, So I guess what I was asking about the body of Christ instead of just being like Jesus himself mm-hmm. is, when when I when you talk about the um uh the continuing of of the lifestyle of Jesus, so mm-hmm. not just growing closer to Jesus, but but acting like Him, yes. and continuing that, uh, I would say that I'm not traditionally leadership inclined. Jesus was a leader. He that as as being a rabbi at the time, he was a he was just um mm-hmm. uh factually a leader. I wouldn't say that I necessarily would be. Would, so when I talk, when I think about myself having disciples, that feels super weird to me. That feels like it, like right? Bizarre in the gut, and it know? feels arrogant to say, "Well, who can I decide?" Exactly, with? that's exactly right. So, um, and yet, you if if we're only one deep, if if the disciples are only one generation, right? Then who comes after us, and who's going to disciple those people? 
And so we're we're one generation from extinction because none of us are going to disciple anybody else. <laughs> sure. So that can't work. Yeah. And so we're, it's probably just a misunderstanding of what that even means. Well, and I guess because then I look at uh, the book of Acts, and um, I believe it's Acts, but when Paul is admonishing people saying, well, I follow Apollos or I follow Paul. Yeah, and he's saying, stop saying that. Right. So those would be their disciples in the old, in the, in the traditional sense. Uh, but, but he's saying that that is kind of outdated now in, in Christ. Well, they were using those as building frameworks, what we might call denominations. And okay. I think that denominations still turn the, they would turn the stomach of Paul. Sure. That's a concept that's totally foreign to the new Testament that we would have schools of groupings and that's what that was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that wouldn't be those that's not traditional. The same thing. No, gotcha, gotcha. This would be John. Who, you know, are you? Are you a river or are you a reservoir? Mm-hmm. Is God pouring into your life and you just stock all that up and enjoy it? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> or is it supposed to go somewhere? Yeah. And is it supposed to? You know, it's, it's one of those haunting things I hear in my head every once in a while. If God answered every one of my prayers, would it benefit anybody besides me? Yeah. And so if if God poured himself in you, if you said, man, Jesus, I want to be full of you. I want to do life in you. And he gave you that. Who benefits from that besides you? If the answer is no one, then we haven't figured it out yet. Sure. So it's not that you stand up and say, I'm a teacher. I'm looking for disciples. It's that you just keep investing in the spiritual life and formation of other people around you whom God brings to your traffic pattern. So I, I, And some of those you would do in informal ways, predominantly uh-huh. informal but there might be some formal ways, too, where you say to a couple of buddies, hey, I want to go deeper in this part of my life, of my faith. You want to go with me? You want to do this little thing with me? You know, you and me are about to start a thing. I'm, I'm going to start a group of 12, and we're going to be in four groups of three in the group of 12. And we're going to we're going to um, the first thing we're going to do is go, do a book together called Not a Fan. And we're going to try mm-hmm. to move from being fans of Jesus to being followers of Jesus. And what is that? What is the difference there? And what does that mean? Yeah. So that's where we just encourage each other's friends. It's it's a friend who you're, um, you know, you're going to a movie with. You go to dinner in a movie with a friend, and he tells you that his marriage is really rough, and he's not sure if he's going to make it. And now you you accept this invitation to walk into his story, and you bring to him not just encouragement, not just friendship. I'm with you, but you also bring truth to him. You know, the, Jesus would call you to die to yourself and live for your wife. Why are you wanting to leave her? Um, this isn't just your wife you would be leaving. This is Jesus whom you would be uh, leaving his command for you. Yeah. So it's pushing somebody like that. That's discipleship. Every conversation actually is a discipleship conversation. If this is your attention is I want you to be able to rest in Jesus, enjoy the life of Jesus, and follow Jesus. And I'm doing that, and I'm gonna, and I, and when when the opportunity arises, I'm gonna encourage you to do that too. So then, my the stumble stumbling block for me of me having disciples was a, a hierarchy, yes. a leadership hierarchy. Yeah. So this this is a this a, is friends. Yeah. I so like a, the word friends way better. Level hierarchy. Yes. Yeah. I think that makes that 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 fits better. Yeah. To, for me. So let's go to one building block that was a light switch for me. Okay. Um, if I, you know, when I asked you to tell me why Abe, um, you know, tell me why this person's a, a grade A disciple, mm-hmm. um, you went to passion, commitment, devotion, and in his case, the ability and love for teaching the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? With that, well, consistency would be the other big yes, one. For yeah, me. yeah. 
most of us, when we have discipleship programs in churches, again, this is the great, this is the great, this is the great dismal failure of the church is we, and we, it's not that we tell people this is what a disciple is, but this is all the programming we offer in our institutionalized efforts to disciple people. What do we offer? Mm-hmm. We offer classes where you go and you get lectured to and you amass information. Yeah. And um, discipleship is not information. Discipleship is transformation. So I have a new measuring stick for my own discipleship and for a disciple, and it is obedience. Hmm. A disciple is a disciple of Jesus, not because of what he believes or the doctrine he can spell out or the scriptures he's memorized or her. It is the the simple obedience to Jesus. I follow Jesus. So I have a dilemma in my life. I've got a conflict. I've got a broken relationship. I've got an opportunity. I've got too much money. I've got debt. Sure. Whatever my issue is, the prevailing question of a disciple is, what would Jesus have me do? And then actually do it. And actually do it. Yeah. And so I'm I'm measuring my own discipleship now by that question. And so I think... If we're going to be a disciple, so listener, if you say, man, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, I want to be an apprentice of Jesus, the number one measuring stick for that is your own personal obedience or disobedience. Wow. And uh, there you go. If you want to grade yourself, now you say, well, am I a C plus? The first grade of, not the first academic grade, but the first letter grade, the first uh, performance score of a disciple is simple obedience to Jesus. I would also throw in there belief and trust. Uh, one of the things I did on this 50 hours in the truck is I listened to, a, you know, a couple of hours of Bible reading. Sure. Just over the s- stereo. Blown away all over from my reading plan. So it's all over Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, whatever. Blown away at the constant theme throughout the scriptures that God has one really big desire for us. And that is that we would relentlessly trust him. And it and it's offensive to him when he has demonstrated his power his love, his commitment, his generosity, and we still don't trust him in the next crisis. Yeah. And th- so this this is the first the first part of discipleship is I love God. I trust him. I know he's on the job. I follow him and I will obey him. I've interestingly started uh framing my own um obedience as belief or unbelief. Like just just changing the words yes. of obedience and belief. Yeah, because all disobedience is a declaration of unbelief. Yeah. And uh, you, you read Hebrews talking about, you know, um, I, they did not enter my rest. They all perished in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. Well, you would call it rebellion. You would call the things they did were rebellion. But it was all unbelief. And if you believe the truth about Jesus, if you believed the truth about God, his great love for you, his great power, his sovereignty, you would obey him. I mean, that would be the, you'd be the, you'd be an idiot not to. Well, and this is the exact our uh, faith and worth, works conversation. This is the same thing. This is that that uh, faith and works are actually the same thing. That that your yeah. your works is the uh, fruits of a, of a real faith. And with Abraham, uh, he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. His belief was taking his son of the mountain and being willing to kill him. Yeah, uh, that was the that was his belief. Was the actual action of that? Yeah, it's kind of like you know, uh, show me your faith by what you say. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Uh-huh. I kind of heard in your when you said that in my head. I heard, "Show me your apple by you talking about an apple." I'll show you my apple by my apple. Right by holding it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so your 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 obedience is the apple. Yeah. Your your words are just talking about the apple. Right. And you might you you could have it in you your might. back pocket. Yeah, you might. But you know, if you hold it up, it might be half an apple. There. It might be worm infected <laughs> apple. Sure. Uh that's a great. Okay, so um so one more big building block and then we're gonna take our break. Okay. Yeah, let's do okay? it. So one more building block, then we're gonna do your media reveal mm-hmm. and uh our commercial and then we're going to wrap it up with this tool that you mentioned at the intro yeah give, you a, about give that. you a tool yeah and we'll also uh, put this on the instagram so you can see it because it does help to see it yeah it does all right this this next building block is discipleship basic is you know trusting and obeying jesus mm-hmm. okay but the next one is abiding in jesus Hmm. Jesus said, uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you if you abide in me and I abide in you, ask whatever you will, I'll do it for you. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. Without me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. So this other building block of discipleship is the acknowledgement that apart from him, I can do nothing mm-hmm. and that life is in him. I love this phrase. I think it's Colossians. And now your life, your life is now hidden in God with Christ. Like I'm in him. I'm with him. I abide in him. I rest in him. On the 50-hour drive, I did hours of just enjoying and trying to learn how to live my life this way all the time. Now, the prayer of examine that we mentioned last episode yeah. has been hugely helpful in this regard. And we have not published, so we're going to put on the Instagram, on Monday's Instagram, we'll put a link uh, to the examine prayer where you can listen to, you could click that link and be walked through. It's 10 minutes long. The prayer of exam is blowing my mind. It's helping me so much, but it's helping me enjoy the presence of God. And I'm learning this uh, abiding, residing, if you, um, it's kind of the the idea of it's the idea of remain and respond. Hmm. Remain in Christ and respond from the strength of and the peace and the security of that remaining. Sure. I really wondered on this drive if when I talk to you about all this, if it would make sense. You know, you have said before, it's a brilliant thought, that you cannot give your aha to anybody else. Right. These ahas come and you can't give them to anyone. You can try. And so I feel like that's the dilemma I'm having right now is this. Uh, With the remaining and responding. Yes, that to just remain in Jesus, to to give inordinate mindfulness to the presence of Jesus, his great love for you, and, uh, and remaining in that space. Uh, so remain and respond. That discipleship is remaining and responding, obeying, trusting, this is this is really the foundation. If you do not obey, you do not believe. Jesus said, "If you if you love me, you'll do what I say." Yeah. So if you do not obey, you do not believe, and um, if you do not remain, then you're not connected to the vine. And so you know all bets are off. What you're going to do? So this is just the this is the real entry point. It's the it's the birthplace of of what I would call real discipleship. And what I'm stoked about, if you're hearing that and you go. 
like I do sometimes, I go, well, how do I just make myself obey or how mm-hmm. do I just increase my belief in this, in, in this case, how do I increase my belief to increase my obedience? Yeah. This next model we're going to do after our commercial break is going to, I, th- really I think it's very tangible. It's very, very uh, directly about how you do that. And it'll be a framework where you can take this framework and it'll take you everywhere you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So John, let's do media uh, review yeah. and then we'll go to the commercial and we'll go right to that tool. So I figured I would do another album. Uh, this is one uh, I've talked a little bit about my history uh, with music or like my roadmap through different genres and uh, soul music is uh, I think I talked about it at the time is very interesting genre to me where I think like if you played um, it's a Sam Cooke song uh, I can't remember the title but if you play a, a good soul song for I think anybody on earth of any culture I think it clicks. I think it's something about it. It just gets the human brain. Just the the uh, time signature, the way the percussion is, just everything about it, it just grooves so well. And it's why the genre is a little narrow. It's a little redundant. Most of the songs there sound a little bit like the other songs in that genre. Um, and other genres are like that. I talked about that with blues. Blues is kind of that same thing. Um, but the uh, it clicks with people almost unlike any other genre. So I love soul music. Okay, now... I have a couple of questions right there. Sure. Yeah. Is it okay if I ask questions yeah, go about for it. this? Yeah, so I love talking about this stuff. Okay, so you're saying every human on the planet. So I could play soul music for a person in the jungles of Africa or the the rainforest of the Amazon and they would have a instant connection to it like you're describing. Is that what you're saying? All right. So if we're talking unreached people like like people on uh, what's that <laughs> island south of India where they've like they've been untouched by technology for th- for millennia. Like like they're totally oh, I, in the past. Okay. Uh they uh yeah, they're a little famous. Anyway, no. That's an exception to the rule. But okay. anyone if I went to mainland any, India, if I went to Calcutta, any developed country and I played Bring It On Home to Me by Sam Cooke, they would start bobbing their head. I believe in my in my core being. Okay. Anyway, so that's great. Uh, okay. Recently, last summer, the summer of COVID, the first summer of COVID. Well, we're kind of out of it now. I'd mm-hmm. say the summer of COVID, 2020. I uh, uh, found a, a soul guy who's still going. His name is Lee Fields, and his uh, he has some alone his uh, um, solo, solo work. Album. Yeah. But uh, his main work is with Lee Fields and the Expressions. That's who I'm sharing with you. The album is called My World. It is from 2009. So okay. it's, I mean, recent as far as soul is concerned, but now I'm, you know, getting there. Uh, it is awesome. It is like this guy is, I think he's late sixties, early seventies, still making albums, still dropping soul albums like, and, and vent, like classic soul. He's not, you know, reinventing. He's just creating new music of that genre of the Motown era. It's amazing. And it's some of the best of the genre I've ever heard. My world is an amazing, amazing soul album. Like I think, I think it could stand up with any of the Motown greats that that are in in you know the pantheon of it. Okay, so what I want you to do is put a link to, um, I don't know how you do this either to one of his songs. You could pick your favorite on Instagram as well for Monday, um, because I'd like to hear it. And, yeah, and um, you got me fired up about it. I. I'm fired up about it. Every time, if, if I'm ever, my brother has a rule, Tim, who now you know him. Now mm-hmm. listeners, you know That's Tim. That's right. Tim has a rule that if you're ever eating out and you're thinking, where am I going to eat out? Go to Chipotle. And you'll never regret it. I have the same <laughs> rule with Lee Fields, my world. <laughs> if I'm ever like, man, what do I want to listen to right now? Yeah. It is it normally Lee Fields, my world. It is very good. Oh, well, you made me 
first of all, I went into instant evaluation mode. Have I ever gone to Chipotle and regretted it? And I have not. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my that's my uh, media review for this week. Lee Fields, my Le- world. Lee Fields and the expressions. Lee is the Field, full. Leaf. Lee. Lee. Lee Fields. Lee Fields and the expressions. The album is called My, my world. world. And the the first, if you don't like the first track on that album, get out of there. I wasted your time. The first track <laughs> rules. So if that doesn't grab you, don't worry about it. Abort. Abort. You're not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna change your mind after the first song. So if that's if you're not into it, it's fine. I'm not hurt. Lee Fields isn't hurt. You All can right. spend your time as you like. Here's our commercial. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Again, this is episode 114, and we would just like to thank our uh, listeners. Your time is very, very valuable to us. We're uh, super grateful for you guys and for our patrons on uh, patreon.com. Uh, they give uh, increments of money a month. From a dollar they choose. Yep. And, uh, that, I mean, we have... Uh, uh, some recurring costs as far as subscriptions to software and every now and again a, a hardware purchase and those guys make that much easier on us so we're uh, extremely grateful to those guys yeah yeah that's awesome okay we're going to give you a tool it's 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 really um it's a framework to understand uh-huh. and and um you know i do pastoral counseling and i've taken this you, is you, you've done you've seen a lot of these yes is and, what you're saying and this is a, this is a pattern a framework for helping people process what they're what they're dealing with that I found incredibly helpful. It's very helpful for me as well in my own personal life. Um, so I, it, it's the root to fruit map is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, I, I do want to say that um, when you think of fruit, and that's what we're going to talk about. You know this this idea of fruit on your tree. Yeah. Um, discipleship is about fruit and gifts. The, the activity of the Spirit in us, from the New Testament on, from the resurrection on, the, the Spirit has two activities in us, and they are fruit and gifts. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, endurance, self-control. Absolutely. And he gives us gifts. Every, every person who becomes an apprentice of Jesus is given supernaturally by God gifts. So your own personal discipleship is, a, is, is working out of fruit and gifts, which you might call character and calling uh, hmm. the character of jesus being formed in you and the calling of his gifts on your life and executing that calling faithfully that would be the simple uh call of discipleship sure and so this this uh this little framework of root to fruit the idea is that your life's a tree and it is bearing fruit and so people have a crisis because of the fruit that's being produced in their life anxiety fear 
depression, mm-hmm. loneliness, uh, stress, um, whatever. You know, we have fruit we don't want. And but, but the anxiety comes from the looking at the fruit on the tree. It, it, that's where that's where the crisis comes from. No, the anxiety is the fruit. But I'm saying I'm saying you said the fruit causes distress. Is that I'm sorry. No, the fruit might be distress. I see what you're saying. So I have some fruit in my life I really like. Yeah. Um, you know, I make a good wage. I've got a marriage that I'm really fond of. Uh, these are some fruit too. I've got kids I love, adult kids, grandkids. I, I love them. So I've got a lot of fruit I'm really enjoying. Sure. But occasionally there's fruit on your tree that that is a nuisance to you. It's driving you crazy. And uh, what you want to do is fix it. Well, fruit doesn't just produce itself. It comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that you would follow from the fruit and go down the tree to the roots and see what is growing that fruit. Gotcha. And so uh, there's three questions you would ask that help you understand where's this fruit coming from. So work your way down the tree yeah. with these things. I am. I can't stop having anxiety attacks. I'm just filled with fear. I'm having a fear problem. What are the three questions? First one, who am I? And the root of that is I'm not in control, um, but I believe I have to be. My life's, you know, I'm a failure. I'm a shame, you know. But I'm a problem, okay? So I have these. I believe these lies about myself, and they are pr- producing that. The second question is, what has God done? Well, you might say, well, God's abandoned me. God's not sovereign. God can't be trusted. Um, he might not be. He's out of control. Because he's, I'm not, you know. Yeah, maybe he's not. He's mad at me, and he's yeah. withdrawn from me. Yeah. He has removed himself from me. Or he's not as in control as I thought he was. Um so you have because these, this terrible thing happened. Yes. Or, yeah. So you have. So maybe there's a root there. And the third question is, who is God? Well, he's unloving. He's impotent. He's disengaged. When because you, if he was engaged and potent, then then this problem would be solved. Right. So you you, you try to figure out what where what root is producing that fruit of anxiety or fear. And this helps you just process through these questions. What are the lies I believe about myself? What are the lies I believe about uh, what God is up to or what God has done? And what are the lies I believe about who God is in his own nature? Then the idea is you then fix those lies and you start developing a root system from the truth. Sure. And the truth in the root will produce the fruit of peace. So... I have fear because I have a root of some lies I've embraced. I need to correct the lies with truth, and truth will set me free. And build back up that tree to the fruit again. So I'm going through the same questions. Who is God? He is love. He's powerful. He's in control. He's present. He's right here, right now. He will never leave me or forsake me. So who's God? Uh, What has God done? Well, Jesus died for me. I never have to question the motives or the commitment of someone who's willing to die for me. Hmm. He rose again from the dead. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He took the sting from death. He's given us victory. Um, he's put his spirit in me. This is what God has done. He's with me. He's in me. And then who am I? I'm deeply loved by God. I'm not alone. I'm more than a conqueror through him. These kinds of thoughts. Sure. And this then produces a different kind of fruit of love, joy, and peace. So I offer that as you, as you evaluate your own discipleship, I would encourage you to think about obedience as belief or unbelief. Am I demonstrating a belief in God? 
If you're a man and you've got a porn habit and you're tempted to look at porn, ask yourself, what is it I'm not believing about God? This is a declaration of my unbelief because God is asking me not to engage in sexual immorality. And so it must mean that I don't believe him because I'm choosing methods to gratify myself that are outside his will. That's a declaration of my unbelief in him. And so this is is asserting that if if that guy said, uh, I believe all this, I just... I just love this. I just love this, or I just can't <laughs> stop doing this, or whatever. Yeah. That would be incongruent. That's not actually true. Right. And we, it, you're a practical atheist in that regard. Hmm. There's so many times I realize I'm being a practical atheist. I declare belief in God, but I will not go all chips in. I will not take that step. On this arena of your life. Right. Or, yeah. And so, therefore, it's truly a confession I don't. You've heard the wheelbarrow story, the guy who's yeah. walking the wheelbarrow across the high rope. And he says to the crowd, who thinks I can put a person in here and go across? They are yeah, we believe. Well, who get in the wheelbarrow? And nobody jumps in. Yeah. So they don't believe. Right. So um, we're going to put this root to fruit map on Instagram. It's just a photograph. And uh, hopefully it'll be useful to you. I got it from a place called the KC Underground. It's some guys who do a faith movement, missionary movement in Kansas City. Uh, but it's not original to them either. This is kind of a, a tool that's been around forever. I don't know where actually it originated. Well, all this reminds me of the uh, Second Chronicles, Second uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians. Thank you, and uh, of the you know the power of Christ to in your own hearts to break down strongholds and to and and to eventually build up. This is the same thing to me. You're you're looking at your fruit. You're breaking it down to its elements, and then you're building up to uh, something God uh, glorifying, God honoring. Yeah. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, casting you. down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So in the porn example, my my seeking of pleasure this way of comfort, of self-medication, uh, it pulls down this lie that's this imagination that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Because the truth is, God can comfort me. God can be my peace. God can be my strength. And so uh, I think also of Jeremiah 1, you know, uh, where God says to him, I chose you before you were born and that and I've appointed you. And he says to uproot, destroy, uh, tear down and demolish and then plant and build. And so mostly that, in our those life, last two. Yeah, there's four yeah. destructive and two constructive. Yeah. And typically when we're talking about our mental health, we're talking about psychological well-being, we're talking about discipleship. There's way more to dismantle and destroy than there is to plant and build, but sure. you've got to do both. Yeah. Well, I love this. You know, we, over and over again, we talk about uh, models like this, or um, you use a word, uh, not model, but um, framework. Framework. Uh, and I think they're just. I think they're helpful. I have a thing against uh, like lifestyle gurus kind of things, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. like really cutesy metaphors. Yeah. But frameworks and models, I think, especially image image uh, focused ones like this. Maybe I'm a, a um, visual learner. visual learner. Yeah. But to me, they just uh, make sense. They they uh, distill. They very accurately distill and very helpfully distill for me personally. So yeah, I like them for that reason too. I, I think they're great tools to help you process because the secret's not the tool. The tool is a is a is a just a, a device to help you get there. Right. Right. Yeah. So I love this. We'll, we'll put it up and. Uh, uh, and I have a from a question for me as part of this takeaway: the uh, bearing fruit and the fruits of the spirit. Are these? Can you interchange these? So whenever, everywhere, whenever it says bearing fruit, it is referring to a lifestyle of the fruit of the spirit. I think that um, that's a great question. 
like in John 14, uh-huh. uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Exactly like that. Yeah. So um, I would say that the fruit of your life would be more than your own experience of joy, peace, but gentleness is an external, uh, patience, self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, those are also horizontal in the impacting the people around you and that it's not just again reservoir it's not just inner peace it's not just going up in a mountain somewhere and chanting and being all alone um it is to actually engage in life yeah with that with that fruit being the aroma and the the experience people have as they encounter you totally yeah awesome all right uh well listen we are so grateful i want to encourage you if you have not done the prayer of examine from last week i i want we're going to put that link on on our instagram go there Click the link when you have 10 minutes, carve some time, get totally alone, take 10 minutes and try this exercise. It's really revolutionizing my own prayer life. Secondly, we'll put this picture of this uh, fruit to root map. And third, you got to listen to Lee Fields, Fields, Lee Fields and the expressions expressions lee field and the expressions i love this band but these are not all the same thing do the first two the first two are (laughs) go do those and if you think hey that sounds like something i might like then go check it out Uh, it's on spotify i'm sure it's on youtube or however and yeah all right hey thanks for listening have a great week uh write us info at jimandjohn.com no h in the john do us one favor this week uh tell somebody who about the podcast you haven't talked to about just tell them hey i'm digging this podcast maybe you'd enjoy it pass it on to a friend that'd be awesome that would help us a ton thank you guys so much we will see you next week for 115